WPSL Port St. Lucie. It's time for We Are Just Christians, live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. Here's your host, Mike Schmidt. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Ray, and thank you very much for tuning in today, all of you out there listening. We appreciate it very much. I'm by myself today, flying solo. Gary Jones, usual partner here, is under the weather. Hope he gets to feeling better. And uh, he, he was, uh, I think he had a cold and he didn't want to spend his time on the show here coughing and so forth. Scare everybody. But uh, I think it's just an ordinary cold. But we're glad we can be with you today. You'll have to help me out today if I'm by myself. Uh, sometimes it's difficult to uh, get all this together here and uh, hope that you'll, if you'll call in and talk to me, it, it makes things go better and we, it'll smooth things out. We Are Just Christians is a live call-in show as I've just probably alluded to. So we invite your calls, comments, questions, and I'll give you the numbers for, to do that in just a second if you're not familiar with them. But this show, We Are Just Christians, is about New Testament Christianity, just being a Christian, apart from traditions and denominations and all of that kind of thing, and just being a Christian as it's outlined in the New Testament. And so when you call in or you make a comment, we're going to try to respond in some way that reflects that idea that we can go to the Bible and find out an answer to what we have, what, what our question is, or find out a response from the scriptures to how we ought to guide our thinking. So that's how we're going to, going to do it. If you call in, we'll try to give you some scripture references or some allusions that you can look to for some kind of guidance. Now, we understand that a lot of people, even those who list some who listen to this show, don't, don't agree with those premises or that presupposition, and that's perfectly fine. We'd be glad to have your input onto the show. In fact, as I mentioned before, we'd love to have people who are not believers call in. We're not going to attack you or try to embarrass you in some way, shame you. That isn't the idea at all. That isn't persuasive, and that is not the way Christians should act. So we're not going to act like that. At least that's not our intention. So you can feel free to call in. Make your comments, even if they're negative, and we promise that when we get done with our discussion, we'll give you the last word on whatever subject we're discussing, and uh, we can then each learn from each other. So that's the premise of We Are Just Christians. You can reach the show, first of all, um, by phone call live here in Port St. Lucie, 772-340-1590, 772-340-1590 is the number to call in the show. And uh, Ray there will connect you up with us. We're I'm Skyping this from our church building, so we have about a one or two second delay. Hope we don't step on you or you step on us when we're talking. You'll have to overlook that, but that's because of the technology and the requirements of the law. So anyway, call in live, 772-340-1590. If you'd like to text the show, you can text me. That's Mike Schmidt. You can text me at 772 772- 2606120 you can use that number during the show or you can use that number during the week i get communications during the week from some of you who listen i appreciate that very much you can call now during the show uh, and if i if possible i will uh, try to respond to your text you're on the air don't know if i can always text back sometimes i can uh without Gary, Gary's help here today, it might be a little more difficult, but uh, if you hear these odd pauses, this is because I'm probably trying to figure out what in the world's going on in front of me with a computer screen and a mixer and my telephone 
and a stack of notes and uh, uh, fumbling with everything around me. So anyway, if, if you hear a pause, it's because I'm, I probably dropped something or can't figure out what in the world's going on. Just try to overlook that today. We would appreciate it. But you can reach the show then live, 772-340-1590. You can text us live, 772-340-1590. You can also, if you have to go out today, you're, you're, if you're not where you can get to an AM radio, you can also listen to this show on your phone through WPSL.com or any computer. Any, any of your friends or family anywhere can listen to the show live. By going to WPSL.com, hit the Listen Live button at 9 o'clock Eastern, and we'll be on the air there on your phone or uh, whatever. You can listen through TuneIn Radio and the TuneIn Radio app on your phone or any Alexa devices. Just ask for 1590 WPSL, Google Chrome devices. You can listen there, too. It'll bring you the show. And we have a podcast of recordings of this show for several years at our website, which is WeAreJustChristians.com. WeAreJustChristians.com. Dot com is our website. So uh, uh, that that's some of the beginnings of the show. Um, I got a text from somebody here this morning. I'm trying to figure out who it is. Um, anyway, oh, Gary Jones is telling me a lot of mic moving and noise. No, Gary, I have to tell you, that's me fumbling with the latches on the case and doing all kind of other stuff here. I got to stop doing that. Uh, maybe I need another sip of my co- the coffee that my wife made before I left home this morning. Let's try that. That probably make me more jittery and more nervous. Anyway, we thank you for tuning in. And uh, if you call in this morning, we'll put you to the front of the line as far as talking. You know, several things have happened uh, in the last couple of weeks. We haven't really dealt with them uh, on a cultural basis. And sometimes we we talk about news items, or we often do cultural issues, because that's one way that we can illustrate or show you how applying the Bible principles of the New Testament to the 21st century, how that works, and how we should think about what happens. You know, there's just a lot, a lot of people out there, and me, I've dealt with them my whole life, who, whatever happens, they think, well, that's just the way it is, and whatever is, is good, and so they just go with the flow. If society decides they're going to wear a certain style of clothes or listen to certain kind of music or movies are becoming are becoming terrible and vulgar and pornography becomes kind of mainstream. I'm throwing out some opinions there, but, you know, they just go with the flow on that. They don't really think, is this good or is this right? Now, I believe Christians should always be in the mode whenever something is in front of them, they're looking at it. They should always filter what they're seeing and hearing through the grid of the New Testament. That even that really applies to, uh, you know, even the Old Testament, the Jews in the Shema. Shema, I think it's probably more properly pronounced in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. And then he tells them to take the commandments of the law and bind them about their hands and, and their front. That should be says frontless before their eyes and so forth. What he's saying is that the word of God should control what you do with your hands. It, it, the word of God should always be at your fingertips so that when you use your hands to do something in life, God's will is controlling that, is, is altering that from what you would do on your own without that. Or what you see, what you let come into your mind and stay there through your eyes. So the word of God forms a grid that filters what you're seeing. We all filter what we see. Uh, 
we just aren't aware of how that happens or even what we hear. Uh, there is such a thing, I was reading something this week, there is really is such a thing as selective hearing. It's very necessary because your ears hear all kinds of sounds, but your mind has to focus on, on things that are important. And so it's deciding all the time what is critical to hear and it picks out and brings up things from the background sometimes that may be critical to you and, and so forth. So it's, it's a kind of selective hearing. And the Bible should control a type of that hearing for us. Uh, we should not be participants in slander and gossip and backbiting and all kind of other evil things that come in through our ears. Uh, and uh, we, we ought to do the same thing with our eyes. So in any event, we, we look at m- things that are happening in the culture around us. And we can kind of get an idea how this is working, uh, how it should be playing out, how things ought to be, if you will, in the world. Uh, I guess I was reading something about Christians the other day in, in a society in general, those who consider themselves Christians, and uh, they were complaining in this article, maybe rightfully so, about some Christians' reaction uh, to the things that went on the last few years, even with the January 6th incident at the Capitol and how Christians were were vocal in that, and some of them were involved in slander, and some of them were involved in cursing and all that kind of thing. And I, I, I obviously think that's wrong. But on the other side, just as a as a mean point of reference, I can certainly understand how Christians would, culminating in some of the events that took place the last couple of years, just their passions would boil over because we've been under attack as a group for 50 years in this country, maybe more than that, but it's accelerating. And the pace of this attack is accelerating more and more each year that goes by, by the by the left in this country. And so um, th- this is what's this is what troubles people. What troubles them is is that they feel like they're being marginalized and attacked, called all kinds of names for simply following what the Bible says. And so I understand that people get angry about that. Now, Christians are, once again, the filter is, yes, I may see things that make me angry, but I have a filter, I have to apply that. What would Christ do in this situation? What does he tell me that I need to do? And so uh, that's something I always have to consider as a Christian. But I can tell you something, in my lifetime, I've you know, I'm basically nearly 70 years old. New Testament Christianity has been under a constant attack and ridicule and scorn uh, since I've been a young boy. And so I think finally some people are seeing we've gotten to the point where we can't just ignore this anymore. Uh, we're, we're about to be pushed and marginalized into a persecuted minority in this country. And I believe that's exactly what's happening. And so you see these things all around you. Now, I don't believe, and, and you can go back, I preached some sermons during the fall, uh, this past fall. Uh, I guess when you say the word fall on a religious show, people think you're talking about Genesis 3 in the Garden of Eden, but I'm talking about autumn uh, of this year. You can go back on our website, wearejustchristians.com, wearejustchristians.com. You can go back there and look on the website, and you'll see some sermons on perilous times, there's a couple there on the common culture, the Christian's response to the common culture. 
and two or three others in that series, five or six sermons that kind of go together over a period of six or seven weeks. And you can look at the, listen to those. I invite you to do that because they're, they're my take from the Bible standpoint on how Christians ought to be viewing the culture that is here, and not only from the standpoint of being critical of it, but also how to interact with people who are in this culture to try to have a good influence on them. And what does the Bible say Christians ought to do in response to a culture that's crumbling and becoming more and more perilous, as it were, in the last days, as as Paul says. So that you can go back and listen to those sermons. I don't want to rehash all of that here, except to say that we see this evidence of this all over the place. Christians ought to be able to have to respond somewhat with some kind of sympathy, as it were, but also be willing to say, speak the truth about these issues openly so people can make a decision. Then I'll give you an example. By the way, I get another text from Gary that the background noise is, is bad. I don't know what I'm doing here, <clears throat> except I just don't know what I'm doing to make the noise, uh, noise so bad. But um, we just got a text from John. I was surprised to find out that Christians were not persecuted as much as you think. Um, well, uh, I'll say this about that, if I can. Hang on a second here, folks. It said that the microphone is moving. Uh, I think what's happening is this poor old man here. I tell you, it's pitiful. Um, I've got hearing aids in that can bump against the microphone that I'm wearing. I've got reading glasses because I scratched my eyeball here a few months ago, and now I can't read very well until all that heals up. So let me see if I can pull that out a little bit, get rid of some of that junk, um, and then we'll go from there. So anyway, maybe that'll be a little bit better if I get rid of some of that other stuff that's maybe bumping up against. We wear these microphones go over the ears and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So let's just see if uh, that did. It probably did because the, the glasses are bumping the mic and I don't know what all is going on. You know, um, I have enough trouble just thinking about what I'm saying, much less some of this other stuff. So th that's why my wife, that's, that's probably, a, I didn't know at the time. I think that was one of the main reasons uh, that God sent me a wife because my wife usually takes care of all that stuff and says, no, Mike, do this or you do this, do that, you know, whatever. So in other words, she kind of keeps me pointed in the right direction. When it gets time for me to preach, she kind of nudges me and says, OK, you get up and talk for a while. And I get up and talk. I usually have no idea what's going on around me. And she uh, my mind is off on something else. And so she kind of keeps me pointed in the right direction. That's kind of how it would. But anyway, um, John says, I was surprised to find out that Christians were not persecuted as much as you think. Well, I'll make this comment about that. I've in reading about this over the years uh, that there were about eight or nine rounds of persecution by the Roman Empire in the first century or two of church history from the time of Jesus on by the Roman Empire. And yes, the Roman Empire did not persecute Christians every day, worldwide, round the clock, and all parts of the empire. It was under particular emperors that it happened, Caligula, Nero, uh, Vespasian uh, to some degree, some others, uh, Domitian late in the first century, which is probably the background for some of the book of Revelation. 
And so you you saw seven or eight of these periods of persecution. And really, it was centered in certain parts of the empire, like Asia Minor, or what we now call Turkey, and Palestine, and a few other places, and then, and then the city of Rome. But that just because they weren't dragging Christians out of their homes and killing them doesn't mean Christians were being persecuted. I will say this, though. Now, early on, what you found was that it wasn't the Christian, it wasn't the Romans who were persecuting Christians. It was it was the Jewish leaders, not so much the Jewish people, but the Jewish leaders, Pharisees, scribes, the Sadducees. They instigated persecution against Christians from very early on. And this was a continual persecution. It was so bad that in Acts chapter eight, after they killed Stephen, had already killed one of the apostles, and then they killed Stephen preaching, that Christians began to scatter from the city of Jerusalem. And they went as far as Antioch and Cyprus and all these other cities to get away from these, this Jewish persecution that was taking place early on. And so we see the church was spread by the persecution, and then, it, and then this persecution followed them, just like it did the apostle Paul. Wherever Paul went in his preaching trips, it wasn't so much that the Greeks were opposing him, although it did happen occasionally. It was the Jews in those cities, instigated by the leaders of the synagogues, were persecuting Christians, having them stoned and drugged before councils and charging them with all kinds of crimes and so forth. And so wherever Paul went, it was his own countrymen, the Jews, coming coming out of Palestine and then and some of the local leaders who would uh, arrest him, stone him, leave him for dead, persecute him in other ways. And this followed him all the way to the city of Rome. In fact, it was the Jews who instigated the charges against Paul as to why he even ended up in Rome in the first place before Caesar and was eventually put to death. Now, this kind of persecution followed the Christians everywhere in the first century, mostly instigated by the Jewish leaders, sometimes then picked up by the Romans. The Jews were jealous of the, of the Christians and their teaching. They viewed Christ as a, as a rival to their authority. They didn't like it because the Christians refused to just bow, you know, bow down any longer and follow all the dictates of, of the rabbis and so forth. They viewed it, on, and some of them had more sincere motives I think like the Apostle Paul, before he was a Christian, his motives were more that he thought it was a heresy against Moses, false teaching, and ought to be persecuted. And he said he did it sincerely in good conscience in Acts 23, and yet he was wrong. He abandoned that, but others did not. And then with the Romans, it was more like starting with Pilate when they said to him after he wavered about whether he should put Christ to death, Pilate wavered about that, and then he, uh, and finally they said, if you're a friend of this man, you're no friend of Caesar, because this man makes himself a king, and so forth. Now, as far as this issue then, so I agree with John that probably in the first century, first couple centuries, the persecution was not as thoroughgoing from top to bottom of society as you might come away thinking. And yet we have the records, contemporary records of that time, uh, in which many, many Christians were put to death, persecuted, hounded, and so forth. And Nero drove them out of the, out of the city of Rome and persecuted many people. They were hung up on street lights, hung up at street lights, lit on fire by Caligula uh, to make lights for his, his feasts and so forth. 
this is known. And, and of course, when that happens anywhere, it begins to put a lot of fear in the rest of the Christians. And it's an attempt to stop people from becoming Christians in the first place. Christianity was also ridiculed at that time. Now, I forgot because I don't have it right in front of me. I can look it up rather quickly, but I'll not take the time to do that. You can look it up yourself that um, the, the early Christians viewed this in a, both a negative and a positive way. Some of them said that when our blood falls to the ground, it becomes the seed which sprouts forth more Christians. But they were driven into hiding and seclusion. Others began to falter and wouldn't and renounce their faith. Others, strangely enough, especially in the second and third centuries, they began to try to turn each other in so that they would be killed. Now, that, that's evidence that there was some kind of a persecution going on at various times in Rome because they would turn each other in. In fact, we have the early Christian writers warning the Christians, don't do that. It's no, it's no great thing for you to turn yourself in or turn your neighbors in so they'll be put to death. This is not the proper response to persecution. They were thinking maybe as some of the Muslim extremists do today, well, if they get put to death for being a Christian, they'll go automatically go to heaven. Paul, the, the early Christian writer said, no, no, this is not the right pathway at all. You live your life. You're the salt of the earth, the light of the world. You live your life. If you face persecution, then face it and own up to it and, and live through it. Don't deny Christ. But if, if you can live at peace with the world, then live at peace with the world. Be a good influence. Convert people to Christ. Teach them. Be a good example. So there were varying responses to persecution. And it, it came in um, in various forms. Now, we can even go on pound past the time of Christ. Once the, once the Roman Catholic Church from the 600s onward became firmly entrenched in Europe um, and began to enforce the decrees of the Pope, we come down to a time in the Middle Ages in the 1400s and so when there were several groups in Europe who kind of walked away from the Pope and his authority. The Albigenses and the Waldenses walked away from his authority for various reasons. You can read about them in history. And of course, the Pope ended up sending his armies into those French villages and killing those people because they would not knuckle under to Rome. So strangely enough, in my, from my perspective, even the Roman Catholic Church persecuted true Christians who were only trying to follow the New Testament and and not the Catholic Church. And so there's this whole uh, era of persecution by the by the Catholic Church on what I believe would be closer to New Testament Christians because of the things that they believed and practiced, the Waldenses and the Albigenses and probably some others. And today what we've seen is, first of all, a marginalization of Christianity to the outskirts of society, you know, calling us all a bunch of people who are bitterly clinging to our guns and our religion. Uh, that's just a more recent example by the president of the United States uh, saying that kind of thing. And um, when I think when Hillary ran, she said, you know, these churches are just going to have to give up their outdated notions and get in line with what the government ought, thinks they ought to do about certain social issues. So we, we see ourselves being marginalized more and more and more. And I, that's just two things that come to mind real quickly. And uh, you see this thing happening all across society. When, uh, I watch um, 
should I say this on the air? I, I watch uh, uh, British crime shows. If I watch any TV at all, uh, I'm watching just my, with my wife, just kind of relax. We watch these British crime shows, you know, and and these ridiculous detectives there in England and stuff like that. And uh, one about Shetland Islands, one in Norway. We watch all of this kind of stuff. It's pretty harmless. And I told people the reason I do is somewhat is I can't tell when they're cussing. The the English probably have a, you know, they cuss a lot, but I don't recognize them as cuss words. I got to look them up on on uh, Google while I'm watching the show, you know. And so I watch those shows. They're pretty mindless. But what I notice is, and you can begin to, they're predictable. All across English, the BBC and English television, BritBox, Acorn TV, whatever it is you're watching. You, you, if you see certain characters introduced early in the show, see, watching a show like that, you see these characters get introduced. The, the, the writers are trying to make you think, oh, it's that person. Oh, no, it's this person. Oh, yeah, it's that person. You know, that's the suspense of the show. It, it's pretty mindless. But in any event, you, you know if you see certain characters that probably they have a high chance of being the villain. Or at least they, they consistently mock certain characters. Anybody who is religious is mocked on this show, held up to der- these shows, held up to a kind of British derision, very subtle derision, or they actually are the criminals. They're a bunch of phonies in a church, you know, or a pat or vicar or whatever the names they have for them. They're the actual killers or party to it, you see. And so you see that that's the way that they have, they try to marginalize Christians. Or they're all a bunch of phonies, and they throw in all their comments about all this. Now, of course, this is not does not correspond to the truth in any way. Now, and now, if you see um, if you see a homosexual on these shows, you know they didn't do it. You know right away they aren't a criminal because they're politically correct, so they could never make the homosexual guilty of any crime, even though they're as guilty of the crimes as anybody else, no more, no less. And things like that. You see this on these shows. So that's a kind of subtle persecution. Uh, John says here, um, as soon as Constantine made Christianity legal, the Christians started persecuting Jews. Well, I don't know about as soon as. Yeah, it, it, go, it goes that way, too. See, there's this also this uh, notion, and it was really prominent in the Catholic Church for centuries, that the Jews killed Christ since they killed Christ. We need to uh, persecute the Jews. Well, that's a, that's that is the oddest notion to me. And even as a boy, when I would hear about these things, that it was just so odd because Christ and all of his apostles were Jews, and all the great men of the Bible for them that I know of were, were Jews. So I just can't could not understand this persecution of Jews, especially by the Catholic Church, and the notion that the Jews killed Christ is not supported by Scripture. Because even Peter, on the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, he tells the Jews that you, he says, you Jews, by the hands of men without law or lawless men, you did crucify and slay Jesus Christ. The lawless men there are the Romans. So it's pictured very clearly in the Bible that the Jews and the Romans put Christ to death. Pilate was just as much a part of the crucifixion of Jesus as the Jewish leaders was. He just played a different role. They were instigating, and he went along with it because he's wicked himself. And so the whole point of this is that both Jew and Gentile put Christ to death 
we are all sinners before God. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that's really the whole point. So, yes, there is no place in true Christianity for anti-Semitism. They're, they're just human beings. Now, I, I have no problem opposing what religious Jews teach or even what or what secular Jews teach as human beings. I can oppose people's teachings or beliefs without opposing the person or wanting to persecute the person. We certainly have a right not only from the biblically, but we certainly have a right in our own country to oppose ideas and thoughts and so forth as being wrong and incorrect. And we have a right to teach against those things, both biblically and politically. And I have no problem doing that. But that doesn't mean I'm against the Jews anymore. I'm against anybody else. Even when I talk about some of these other special interest groups that we call them in our society, I'm not against them as people. I'm against the ideas that they hold. And, and I'm against whatever personal wickedness that they're doing. That includes people in the church. Uh, well, let me give you an example of some of this, this kind of thing. Here's something for you. I just, it just popped out of me, out of my stack of things here. Um, <clears throat> the headline is, The Lutheran Church Hosts drag, a Drag Queen Prayer Time for Children. A Lutheran church in Logan Square in the Chicago area hosted a drag queen prayer time for kids during their Sunday service this past week. Did you get that? Did you catch that? Oh, he hates Lutherans. No, I don't hate Lutherans. Uh, I, I'm, I'm appalled, and I can't even imagine what Martin Luther would think of a headline like that. If he even understood at his time what a drag queen was, he, he would not have believed that some church that, well, he didn't even want him to carry his name. He told them, don't name yourselves after me, but they did anyway, um, would have a drag queen hour. So it says a drag queen took the pulpit, spoke to the congregation, then left the pulpit and invited the children to sit at his feet as he read a book about joy. And so then you got a picture of this. Um, and so he's uh, we he's reading this story about joy to these children. And um, don't be afraid. I don't know. I, I can't even. Is this, is this everybody's first time that they're ever seeing a drag queen? Well, hello. I'm also a boy most of the time when I'm here. But today, he tosses his hair and says, I'm beautiful today. Aaron Musser, St. Luke's Lutheran Church of Logan Square, and so forth, um, uh, put this whole thing on. And so, uh, apparently the church services here are still being streamed on Zoom and so forth. And so... Uh, I'd like to invite any children or people who would like to see a picture book that I will be showing on the iPad here who would be, like to be a closer view of that to come up and sit somewhere on the stage, I guess. And so then he brings them up there and, uh, you know, Pat's, this, this is the author. This our author of this article says this is grooming behavior. No two ways about it. There's nothing appropriate about exposing kids to drag, especially in a church setting. And so. Um, He says, and so he exp explains joy this way. And I, and I decided instead of telling you, this is how I want you to be joyful as we prepare for this dress rehearsal. I figured I would instead put on a dress, as so many who have inspired me have done. I decided to follow their example, showing what that liberation from oppressive laws will clear a path for joy. So liberation from oppressive laws will clear a path for joy.
So, yes, the true joy of Christmas is being able to dress and drag and parade around in a church and uh, call little children up to you and so forth. So anyway, this is uh, this is the kind of headline you get today. Now, I have to say shame on that Lutheran church. Shame on the people that inspired and put up with that. So people have inclinations and so forth. Yeah, you can't say that this. I don't hate this person. I'm not. I would not never instigate anything violent or anything like that against this person at all. But I certainly don't have to approve of this kind of behavior toward children uh, and in the name of Christ. I don't have to approve of that kind of behavior. And this is just another way that everything slides so that in the long run, it won't just be people that call themselves Christians who are being persecuted. It will only be a particular kind of Christian who believes in the Bible and taking it seriously. Only that kind of Christian will eventually be persecuted. And that's where we're headed right now. And so, you know, you get this whole this whole problem of um, persecution. I, I believe that this is what's coming. It isn't going to be uh, the cr- Christianity in a generic way, but it's only going to be that kind of Christianity that um, won't fit into this uh, ultra-liberal mindset or secularization. A lot of so-called, in quotes, Christianity will is already molding itself to fit into this kind of leftist secular mentality, and therefore they will not be persecuted. But anybody who doesn't fit into that is going to be persecuted. In the same way that once the once the Pope took control of Europe, he molded, he forced everybody to conform to the Catholic Church's idea of religion or Catholicism or Christianity. Anybody that didn't conform to that was persecuted and often put to death. And this is why we have a different kind of country in the United States, at least we used to, because people did not want that to happen anymore, like it happened in Europe. And now we're drifting back into this same problem just from the other side. Instead of from the religious side, we're drifting back into the same kind of problem from the secular side. Now, here's another aspect of this. By the way, let me, uh, I've been talking a long time here. Let me give you the numbers again to reach the show. You can reach We Are Just Christians at 772-340-1590, That's how you reach the show. And uh, you can call me. My name is Mike Schmidt. You can call me to have a conversation, uh, ask whatever question or make whatever comment you want. Maybe we can have a short conversation and, and then I'll give you the last word. That's how it works. So 772-340-1590. If you'd like to text the show, and we appreciate John others texting this morning, you can text the show 772-260-6120. 772-260-6120. You know, and I'll, I'll say this comment. It sounds like I'm really disagreeing with what John is saying in the text. And, and I'm probably not as much as expanding on it. I do believe it's true that the persecutions by the Romans in the first century was limited to two two or three emperors over seven or eight periods of time, short periods of time, in different parts of the empire. But it created an atmosphere upon which later emperors built and which, which really what it did was socially ostracized the Christians. It made them socially unacceptable, even though they weren't being actively 
hounded out and put to death. There's lots of kinds of persecution. And but not all of it involves being hounded and put to death and having the church building locked up. There's lots of other kinds of persecution and and being ostracized from society. And so um, this is not necessarily a good thing at all for Christians. So I don't disagree with that premise. I will say this, that that, yes, when when uh, as so often happens in human affairs. When you push one side down, when you push one group of people down, they might eventually gain the upper hand and then they push back and they do the same thing the other way. I believe, for example, we're beginning to see this in matters of race right now. Whereas in my lifetime growing up, part of that time and before that time, black people were persecuted and ostracized from certain aspects of society, taken advantage of and so forth and vilified in some quarters. Now then that situation has been attempted to be corrected in some ways by our legal system and other ways. And I think that for the most part, uh, especially younger people want nothing to do with racial segregation or racial uh, prejudice in our country. But when now that now that the situation is kind of reversed and some of these folks, uh, black people have gained power, they want to now inflict the same kind of unjust uh, suffering and scorn on white people. Now, you may say, well, that's just fair. It may be fair. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think it's scriptural or right to do that, to pay back in kind. And I'll tell you this. It won't lead anywhere good. It will never, ever lead to any kind of reconciliation. We keep talking. The progressives and the liberals keep talking about wanting a conversation on race. We've been having that conversation my entire lifetime, by the way. I'm not so so young I forget that. But secondly, they keep acting like they want some kind of reconciliation. Well, I can tell you that's never going to happen when you simply flip the tables and now begin to hold people of of light colored skin up to scorn and ridicule and shame persecution that's never going to happen any kind of reconciliation so don't even talk about it. if you just want to gain power and control and be in charge and inflict punishment on people then just say so and i think that's what uh, much of the black lives matter movement's about not all of it of course a lot of people really think it's just about exalting you know uh, black lives but it's way more than that it's a political movement but if you think that inflicting suffering on white people is going to fix the situation we're in and make life better for everybody, you, you, you're just wrong about that. You haven't lived long enough because it simply won't work that way. We've seen enough human nature to know it won't. We simply have to do what Dr. Martin Luther King wanted to do is restore some kind of balance in society where people are treated according to their merits and their character, not by the color of their skin or some other external factor. Now, that won't that situation won't correct every wrong. If we could restore that, it won't fix every wrong immediately. But over time, it will bring racial healing. And I think there was a short period of time when that was actually going on in this country. And then I won't go into some of the reasons why. But in the last 10 or 12 years, everything has fallen apart on that because of that. We've been going the other direction. But the, 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 pun, the persecution, as it were, and vilification of white people is not going to bring about any kind of racial reconciliation one way or the other. Now, um, so you have this very same thing. 
uh, going on in today. Now, I've got another message here, so if I can find it. It's from um, uh, Gary Jones. He texts in, note that the scripture only records the Jewish persecution. Well, it, it does in the book of Acts, yes. Now, as far as dragging people out of their homes and so forth, and Paul doing that, it does record the case of Pilate uh, opposing Christ personally, which sets the stage for the later Roman persecutions. We have indications in the book of Revelation, perhaps, and some other places that the Romans were persecuting Christians. And I know we have those kind of things historically. But yes, the Jewish persecution is the one that's most prominently mentioned in the scriptures and so forth. One of the stories, one of the things that kind of bears a little bit on this is also sitting here in my stack of papers. We, we kind of briefly talked about this at some point uh, in the in the past, but I think we had a phone call or two that interrupted it. And I, I'm glad for phone calls. I hope you've went. If you want to call in and interrupt my little monologue here, please, please save me. Please stop me and, and call in and let's change the subject. I'd implore you to do that. Some of the other listeners would implore you to, to stop me from rambling on here. 772-340-1590. This other article is from George Barna, who is a pretty well-known pollster. He's considered a Christian. He does religious polling. Well-known and pretty uh, thought of pretty highly, and even in the world of polling. He says the label Christian, quote, is now a generic label. According to the new report from Arizona Christian University's Cultural Research Center, just 9% of self-identified American Christian adults hold a biblical worldview. Even fewer, that is 6%, hold a biblical worldview and consistently apply biblical principles to their lives. So this inventory, the, the American worldview inventory, shows that Christian, to be a Christian has become somewhat of a generic term rather than a name that reflects a deep commitment to passionately pursuing and being like Jesus Christ. This is why you see people doing drugs and committing fornication openly on the Internet, wearing crosses and Christian jewelry and symbols on themselves. That's why you see this. Or, or people embracing many immoral behaviors, other immoral behaviors, while wearing, while claiming to be a Christian, and and in a world and in an open sense. And so many rock stars and pop stars do the same thing. Of the 2,000 U.S. adults surveyed, 69%, almost 70%, self-identified as Christian. Um, yet of that group. 64% say all religious faith have equal value. Now, how can you say that you're a Christian and believe what Jesus Christ taught? And yet 64% of the people that say that, that call themselves a Christian, believe that all religious faiths have equal value. Christ, Jesus Christ himself said that except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. And that no man comes to the Father except by me. That would rule out Muhammad, that would rule out Buddha, that would rule out anybody else as being uh, the way to, to, to heaven. And yet these Christians supposedly say that all religious faiths have equal value. 58% say people can get to heaven by performing good works. 57% believe in karma, which is a Hindu concept, not a biblical concept. 
And this broader group of self-identified Christians reject several biblical teachings. For example, only 46% say God's plan for marriage involves one man and one woman. Less than half of these self-identified Christians believe that God's plan for marriage involves one man and one woman. That just shows, that doesn't show people reading the Bible to come to understand that. That shows people listening to what the common culture says about marriage, and they're still claiming to be a Christian. And only 32% say that premarital sex is morally unacceptable. Of course, Paul says that fornicators, and, and uh, uh, John says in the book of Revelation, that fornicators will be, find themselves in the lake of fire. And that it, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God if you're a fornicator, according to the, according to the Bible. But only 32%, that means 68% of these so-called Christians say premarital sex is fine. And so... Um, about a third of them identify specifically as either born again or evangelical Christians. Uh, despite this difference, self-identified born again and self-identified evangelical Christians, who you would think typically would be the most conservative of this group, that they, they possess nearly identical views on most of the beliefs evaluated. Okay. Even among those who, who call themselves believers of this group, See, only 62% say the Holy Spirit, or excuse me, 62%, well more than half, say the Holy Spirit is symbolic, not real. 61% say all faiths are equally valuable. And 60% say people can get to heaven by performing good works. Only 6% of these integrated disciples can be described as having a biblical worldview. Now, that's, say, whether you believe, whether you like this view or not. He's defining a biblical worldview based on certain criteria, which are probably close. These believers, he says, quote, assimilate their beliefs into their lifestyles. That's the ones who, who are considered integrated disciples. So they live or try to live what they think the Bible teaches. Uh, and so you know, he says 99 percent of these integrated disciples, not every not all of them, but the ones of the six percent. 99% of those believe the Bible is an accurate and reliable word of God, and it's and so forth and so on. So anyway, the inventory results show that the U, that U.S. adults tend to dilute and distort cultural understanding of what constitutes Christianity. Labeling, pe labeling people broadly as Christians becomes problematic for politics, for example. Political polling in particular may mislead people regarding their views and preferences of genuine Christian followers simply based on how those surveys measure the Christian population. And so what, what this tells me is that churches, these so-called uh, evangelical and, and in the broader, the mainstream churches, the higher up churches, Lutheran and, and Episcopalian and all of those churches, Presbyterians, They've simply let this society down. They've let their fellow citizens down, their fellow people, fellow uh, humans down in what they teach. They have so distorted and altered the word of God that they've let people down, that people come away believing these things. And I, listen, I'm not just blaming the ordinary person for this, although they're responsible for what, what they do. I, I'm, these people are being taught by somebody. They're learning it from somewhere. And these people have been so afraid that they'll be disliked 
that they won't stand up to Hollywood. They won't stand up to politicians. They won't stand up to liberal liberals in the media and people. who are, They won't stand up to the false teachers in seminaries. They won't stand up and tell the truth. And so the people who don't always know better because they don't have an education in these things, they just go along with it. And then we have this situation where most people are simply doing whatever they want to do, go to church once or twice a year, if that, get a gold cross on their neck or a cross tattoo, call themselves Christians and religious, and think that everything is fine. The worst part of all of that, I'm not mocking those people, the worst part of all of that is that they think they're right with God. They think that they're on their way to heaven because they got a cross tattoo or wear a cross around their neck when they haven't even understood what the Bible requires of them, what God requires of them to be saved. They haven't even done what God says about those things. They don't, their life does not conform. They're still caught up in the immorality that the New Testament clearly teaches Christians must, must put to death, mortify, Colossians chapter 3, and put those things to death, among them fornication, all the other things we listed earlier, have to be rooted out of the Christian life. And these churches have not taught people that at all. They've taught something else. And, and so they've taught people, well, you know, you're, you, if, if you feel good, you're, we all want everybody to feel good and, and come as you are and everything will be fine and so forth. And so they haven't taught people. You know, although it's a poor parallel, perhaps, but the prophets of Israel, especially like Amos, he, he castigated the priestly class of his day. The priests of the Old Testament were, as much as they were offering sacrifices, they were designed to be the teachers of Israel. That's what they were to do, is to teach the people the law, instruct them, show them how to live the law. They failed miserably from the very beginning of, old, of the Old Testament history of Judaism. They failed miserably at that. And Amos condemns these shepherds of Israel because they've led the people astray. They've been poor shepherds. They've been deceitful and wicked shepherds themselves. And then he condemned the people because they followed these kinds of leaders. So I'm not get cutting people to pass in their ignorance. It, this is a shame. So what, like this um, transsexual or cross-dressing person in this church we read about earlier, the, what do you call it, drag queen. Uh, I, I'm not as much angry about that as I I, I really have pity for this person living with this kind of mental disorder, this kind of sexual confusion, trying to struggle along and find some way to live and manage that. And the shepherds of God's people who are try, should, when this person comes to a church to try to find some kind of help and guidance and solace, they confirm in him, oh yeah, this is perfect. This is good. You just, you just, you can feel feel good about this and come talk to our kids if you would. We'd like you to make a presentation to our kids about your mental illness. This is the kind of help this person gets. Instead of being shown why this is going on in his life and how to how to how to repent of this or change this, how to receive help and guidance from Christ for this, they confirm it and make it more of an acceptable thing to him. They haven't helped him at all. They're deceitful shepherds. They're, they're wicked shepherds who've done this. And this is what's wrong all across society. And you're not going to find, of course, all you'll find in the general culture now is a condemnation of anybody who says things like what I just said. 
which are what the Bible says. There's no place for this. Even the Old Testament, God condemned men wearing women's clothing and vice versa. It isn't just a matter of wearing a piece of clothes. I mean, little kids can dress up as the opposite sex and Halloween isn't a problem. But when a person feels a compulsion to wear women's underwear around, a man does, or things like that, and put on lipstick and dress like a woman, like he thinks a woman should look like, then there is something wrong. He does have a problem that needs to be addressed. Now, we can decide whether it's moral or immoral, but it certainly is a problem, and it ought not to necessarily be celebrated because it goes much further than that. These kind of things don't exist in a person's life in a vacuum. This is going to affect his relationship with his wife and his children and other people around him in a myriad of ways because it's somewhat of a mental illness. That may be the wrong word for it, but it certainly is not something that should be celebrated and condoned, particularly by religious leaders who are trying, supposedly trying to guide people in the way of Christ. Uh, and so, you know, uh, rambling on here, but this is the kind of thing, when, when you have made Christ, Christian a generic label, now you've gone in a whole wrong direction. I want to go another direction with that. Let me give you the numbers again, 772. So got time for a call or two, 772-340-1590. 772-340-1590 is the call-in number here, WPSL. We'd be glad to hear from you and so forth. Oh, we did get a text from Jason. I didn't hear it come in, Jason. You mentioned Hillary's statements in 2016, and I'm reminded of Pope Francis' recent decrees and statements about traditional and fundamental Latin mass. Basically, to my understanding, pushing the Catholic Church to a more progressive dogma. Lots of Catholics I know are not very happy about it. Well, yes, um, Pope Francis, the, the, newest, the newest pope, is... Uh, is really a mark type of a Marxist, South American Marxist liberation theology kind of priest. A lot of it gets masked by the news coverage of him and by the fact that he's, you know, now the Pope. And so it has to be, get, all these things have to be moderated and so forth when you talk about him. But this man is simply not a, a, a normal kind of Pope at all. He He has very, very, secular type Marxist views. And he is certainly making an effort as and all of these bizarre things, supposedly bizarre things he said. He said a lot of bizarre things in his time. People thought, oh, he he made something wrong with it. No. He is he's trying to push this liberation theology and these secular ideas onto the Catholic Church. And there is a lot of opposition among a lot of Catholics. You can just do a simple search on the Internet, and you will find some very, very important people in the Catholic Church. And I'm talking about clergy, as it were, who are opposed to this man because of these teachings. Now, some of these people themselves, they have their own problems. They're just as reactionary. But personally, I think a lot of this kind of thing is happening because of this sex abuse scandal. The, the, the Catholic Church can't get its footing, and they're going back and forth between these real conservative popes like the, the Panzer Pope, Ratzinger, and then this guy, back and forth. Uh, and so that's what's going on. And so, yes, a lot of Catholics aren't happy about it. But look, if you're a Catholic, I say this nicely, but because my ba family background, my father's side is Roman Catholic, so I, I have some background in this a little bit. When, when you remain loyal to that church 
and all the things that they've done over the centuries, and you excuse it, you continue to excuse the actions of these popes and priests, and still want to maintain that this is the infallible inspired first century church, um, you, you don't have much to complain about, I don't think, because that's part of the problem. The, the, the people of the Catholic Church have not held this pope accountable and the Catholic Church accountable for these things in the right way. They just are taught to, to knuckle under and bow down and kiss the pope's ring and so forth. And this is not the way the New Testament church is supposed to be. And so uh, I, I don't really have a lot of sympathy for them for this reason. On the other hand, I'll, I will say this in defense, the Catholic Church has has made a, a pretty concerted stand over, this, over the last uh, few decades to uh, keep a hold of somewhat biblical morality in the area of abortion and sexual uh, mor morals and stuff, as opposed to some of these Protestant churches we've been talking about. So we'll be fair about it in that way. Let me read you this uh, quote that Jason here refers to that I, I was referring to. This is what Hillary said, Hillary Clinton said in 2016 not long before the election. Far too many women, she says, are denied access to reproductive health care and safe childbirth. Well, I'm not sure who those people are when anybody in America can get an abortion if they want to. And laws don't count for much if they're not enforced. She says rights have to exist in practice, not just on paper. Laws, ha laws have to be backed up with resources and political will and deep-seated cultural codes and religious beliefs and structural biases have to be changed. So she says that the goal of her administration was going to be to oppose these deep-seated religious beliefs about abortion and other things like that. She intends to get rid. That's just one of the quotes that she made about this. So she's telling you very clearly where she's coming from. She isn't sympathetic to any kind of conservative Christianity whatsoever, and neither are the people, as it were, her allies and like her, whether she has power or not right now, doesn't matter. Lots of people have taken her place or just like her, you see. So as far as the, the, as far as the Catholic Church, yes, I don't think the Catholic Church is the New Testament Church. They're bound up in tradition, and they've consistently opposed many things that are biblical from top to bottom. So I would urge you to rethink that if you're a devout Catholic or if you're a marginal Catholic, like my family ended up being. My, my grandmother was devout. My father was more marginal about it. I'd urge you to rethink that in the kindest way possible because um, people who are Roman Catholics are very much people who sincerely want to do what's right almost all the time. They've just been led to follow a man and his teachings over the centuries and that's what gets him in trouble. Follow the Bible instead. Follow just the scriptures. That's my appeal to you if you're a Roman Catholic. Now then, uh, we've only got about a minute left. In fact, we're going to have to wrap this up here. Appreciate you listening today to the show. And you can listen each week on WPSL at 9 o'clock uh, for We Are Just Christians. You can listen, as we said, on the TuneIn app, the Alexa devices, Google Chrome. You can listen live on the website, WPSL.com. You, you can even listen to the recordings on our website, which is wearejustchristians.com. Come and be with us here at the Church of Christ on Savona Boulevard. We're at 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard, corner of California and Savona on the southwest side, behind the little shopping center. That's where we are. You're not going to be asked for money, just ordinary people trying to follow the Bible. 
We'd urge you to come this morning at 11 o'clock. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you. You've been listening to We Are Just Christians live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie.